It's gonna be scary. Not for us. All engine running. Lift off. on Thompson steps right, shoots for the win of three. He got it. Say my first rodeo. To the basket, turns Schroeder around. Russell Westbrook house the three and the lead. You betcha. Covington biggest shot of the game and he hits it. The corner, PJ Tucker. Time to you know, accomplish something together that we haven't accomplished before. We both understand that we have one common goal, and that's to win a championship. So <laughs> let's get it. What's up, everybody, and welcome to not another episode of Locked On Rockets, but a special crossover episode, a Locked On Houston episode, as I am joined by the hosts of Locked On Astros and Locked On Texans, Eric Heisman and Cody Davis. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, man. Thank you so much for having us on. First and foremost, we have been trying to do this epic crossover over the what last two months, but we could never get our schedules to match up, and now. Just like everywhere else in the world, the city of Houston is on lockdown, unfortunately, due to the coronavirus. And now we're able to do this. So a little bit good came out of this, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think yeah, it's I mean, pretty good, right, Eric? Yeah. Yeah, I know the first time it was mostly on my side because I had a little vacation planned. And unfortunately, we had to cancel that first time. But yeah, it just seems like everybody has a lot of free time right now. I have no idea what's going on. And by the way, I just heard that the Texans were firing Bill O'Brien. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) I wish. I wish April Fools, <laughs> right? That's a, oh man, I, I you know for a second you know obviously we're not getting this pot out until tomorrow probably, but that that'd be that'd be some great breaking news to come back to, and I think you know just again so for for everybody listening to this, whether you are a Rockets fan, whether you're an Astros fan, whether you're a Texans fan, or a fan of all three teams, or maybe just a couple of them, you know this pod may or may not be your cup of tea because we're going to branch into some territories that aren't just Rockets or just Astros or just Texans, but that's kind of the idea behind this podcast is we want to do a locked on Houston podcast. So we got all the hosts together and we want to, you know, kind of tackle some of the overarching themes that have been going on with the, with the certain teams and everything. And I guess that's kind of the first one is that we'll just, we won't waste any time jumping into was Bill O'Brien trading Deandre Hopkins. And I just, Oh man. I mean, I don't know. What were y'all's reactions when this media, when this happened? I, I you know, it's just, <sighs> I was uh, outside in the garage cleaning and I saw that the uh, Texans traded for running back. I'm like, ooh, that we got a running back. Uh, that's good. And then uh, about five minutes later, I saw they traded Hopkins. I'm like, what? What the heck is this? This does not make any sense. <laughs> Man, you know, for me, it actually started, um, let's say, two hours before the trade went down um, because – you know, as with me being over here with Locked On Texans, um, I actually have everything on notification when it comes to the Texans. So when I first got up going through my day, I actually saw where uh, I saw a report where the Texans were actually shopping DeAndre Hopkins around in order to try to get like a first round or a second round draft pick. So I didn't think much of it. I was like, oh, this ain't nothing but a room. I mean, Bill O'Brien is not going to trade DeAndre Hopkins, right? Literally two hours. You would think so. Yeah, you would think so. It would make matters even worse. I had just published um, the episode me and John did for that Monday. Published it. I started getting on about my day. Next thing I know, I see breaking news. The Houston Texans, just like you, Eric, 
have has traded for a running back, and I saw it was David Johnson. Now, David Johnson, he is a guy who actually had a pretty good season in 2016, um, but due to injuries and stuff, he hasn't really lived up to that promise that he showcased. So I was like, okay, well, we need someone to replace Carlos Hyde because due to contract dispute, we knew Hyde wasn't coming back, and the same could be said for Lamar Miller, who unfortunately went down with a knee injury during the preseason of 2019. Next thing I know, two minutes later, I see Deshaun, <laughs> I see DeAndre Hopkins in the freaking deal. I'm like, what the hell is this? And, oh, man, it, it was just bad. It, it was bad. John, my co-host on Locked on Texans, he was at work. He called me literally 10 minutes after the news. Twitter is, is just blowing up, and it was – uh, it was a, it was a sad day. It was a sad day, and to make matters even worse, that pissed nearly everyone off is the fact that not only did you trade DeAndre Hopkins, but you did not get a first rounder in their process. That that didn't make any kind of sense to me. And you know, me and John really been trying to move along, and you know, just like everything else in life, we try to take the positives out of every situation but man this this one hurts and it's going to sting for a very long time you know it's it's so interesting to me and the thing too and here's the part that really bothered me at least you know and i like again right my team's the rockets i keep up with the rockets every single day that's the bread and butter but obviously i'm, I'm keeping my eye on the texans keep my eye on the astros but the thing that really bothered me was how the texans tried to hide the 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 trade with D Hop because they they announced like all those little trades that they did all together in that one little PR release. So instead <laughs> of like making a big deal about trading DeAndre Hopkins, they just tucked him at the very end of that little PR release and they released it all all the different little acquisitions all at the same time, trying to kind of like I don't know tone it down a little bit. And I thought that was pretty whack. I was like, come on, if you're gonna if you're gonna pull the trigger on that, like at least own up to it. Like yeah, you see the backlash of it, you see everybody's pissed off about it own up to the trade don't try and like hide from it I thought that was pretty weak yeah it was weak but at the end of the day it's going to be the Texans who have to answer why did they trade DeAndre Hopkins now the next day that's when we started hearing rumors and speculations going on that Hopkins and Bill O'Brien did not see eye to eye. Bill O'Brien compared him to Aaron Hernandez. He didn't like his personal life, you know, yada, yada, yada. Look, at the end of the day, I, I, I understand that the NFL is a business. And we, 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 at the end of the day, I understand that no matter what sport you're in, it's, it's every time there's a move made, the team always say it's a business. I understand that. But the fact that this guy traded DeAndre Hopkins, you didn't get a first-round pick. No disrespect to David Johnson. And I personally do believe Johnson is going to have a better year in Houston than the last two years he had in in Arizona. I personally do believe that he's going to have a resurgence here in Houston. But at the end of the day, you traded him for a running back that's not even a top two, top two, top two, top three tier running back in the league. And then – once again, you did not get a first-round pick, and you traded arguably one of the most talented guys who have ever stepped foot in Houston. 
Uh, I think the biggest deal is for the uh, casual fans like myself because uh, there are only a few names that we know on that roster. And now you take away one of them, somebody that we've been watching for a few years now, and he just he, he just uh, everybody hyped him up, and he was just good receiver. And then all of a sudden you just trade him because uh, I think the the fallout was what really got me. Is like uh, I don't know who's leaking information and uh, about Aaron Hernandez and all that stuff, but. That was just low either way. I don't know if that was the Texans trying to spin it or something, but it was just a weird situation during a weird time with no freaking baseball. We'll keep the Locked On Houston crossover conversation with Eric and Cody going in just one moment, but first, a quick message from our friends over at MyBookie. Sports have come to a screeching halt with basketball benched and pitchers off the mound, but our friends over at MyBookie aren't going to let it get you down. Stay sane and stay entertained with access to your favorite games like blackjack, roulette, slots, war, and more. It doesn't matter whether you're out on the front lines or quarantined at home. The fun doesn't have to come to an end with MyBookie. Video poker is not your thing, but you still need a fix. They've got you covered with a host of live casino dealers online. That's right. They have professional dealers at their tables, live on site, 24-7. Your favorite squad sidelined because of the pandemic? Don't even sweat it. MyBookie has partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action straight from the court in NBA 2K20. Plus, you can always do your part to make your bankroll great again by taking advantage of shifting odds on political bets. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. Visit mybookie.ag and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to receive a 150% cash bonus on your first deposit, and you can claim those extra funds all the way up to $750. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You spin, you win, you get paid. And we are back in here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, continuing the Locked On Houston crossover event with Eric Heisman and Cody Davis. So we'll just jump right back into it right now. <laughs> and uh, to, I guess, and similar in that light, right, is, you know, kind of moving a bit away from the Texans kind of into your market, Eric, you know, we were right at opening day and, you know, didn't, didn't get opening day baseball. So kind of, you know, moving into the season, what were you looking most, most forward to before everything got shut down? I was looking for the Astros to go out there and prove that they don't need the trash cans. And it was more than trash cans, but everybody seems to focus on trash cans. But they didn't do that in 2019 or 2000. Oh, well, they did it part of 2018. But I was just looking for them to go out and play baseball because we, we dealt with this all offseason ever since Mike Fires opened his mouth to the athletic. And then all of a sudden, everybody everybody's focus is on the Astros. Um, everybody's attacking Astros fans and players and you cheated and it just we wanted to see baseball just so we can kind of put some of this stuff behind us uh, we knew it wasn't going away uh, every time we go to a new city uh, the um, fans will boo the uh, reporters will be asking questions but that's why the Astros went out there and got Dusty Baker that's why the Astros just um, just we're going to go out and just play ball and they thought they apologized it wasn't good enough, and yeah, Jim Crane still thinks that it was good enough because he uh, that there's a lot of lawsuits against the Astros, and so uh, he's saying that uh, he was exonerated from 
uh, the commissioner's report, and he had no knowledge of this. And so there's just so much that we just wanted to just watch baseball games, and that's all Astros fans want to do. That way we can kind of start to heal. And then that was taken away from us that uh, during a spring training Thursday and just a day that wasn't an off day for the Astros. Uh, it just changed the whole season. You know, and I guess kind of thinking about, especially, you know, the, the Astros, I kind of think one kind of moving away from their narrative, right? Obviously the whole cheating and all, you know, all this stuff going on and the, you know, having Manfred involved and just all this noise, right? Just getting back to the baseball element of it. How do you think losing Cole impacts the team? And, you know, how do you like the pitching situation going into the season? Or whenever the season starts, I should say. (laughs) I would like it a lot better if Justin Verlander didn't hurt his groin. But um, I think he'll be fine by the time spring training starts, which is probably not going to be maybe until May. And that if that happens, it's going to be in front of empty stadiums. But I think the Astros rotation have enough pieces to kind of piece together what uh, what that they're, they're not never going to have that 2019 rotation that was a dynamic one and you, you're not going to get that back even the 2018 rotation was pretty good but I think that getting Lance McCullers back hopefully he's healthy hopefully this shutdown is not going to uh, cause him to uh, try too hard when he tries to start back up we'll see what Jose Kitty can do uh, Josh James this is his first chance to become a starter but I think it's all eyes are going to be on Zach Greinke. Which Zach Greinke are we going to get? Are we going to get the one who was awesome with the Diamondbacks or the one who was so-so but pretty good with the Astros? We need the guy who was with the Diamondbacks and the former ace. We just need him to step up. But this rotation is good. It'll be better when Justin Verlander is back in it. But I think the Astros have the depth right now to go um, – win a whole lot of games, but uh, the trade deadline is probably going to be a big key to see where the Astros are and if they need to go add another piece, if there's going to be a trade deadline. We don't even know if there's going to be a season at this point. Yeah, I think that's the toughest part where we're all kind of uh, stuck in limbo and, you know, kind of, and for the, at least going back to the Houston Rockets, you know, it, it sucks for them to be kind of in this limbo period. And it's kind of a catch 22 because the Rockets being one of the older teams in the league, it's kind of great that they're getting this, uh, this, uh, I guess, unprecedented time off this little, you know, mid season vacation kind of, uh, to, to rest up, to heal any nagging injuries, that kind of thing. But at the same time, they had just fully committed to, you know, small ball. And now, you know, we're kind of in this limbo period where they were, you know, they were really high for a little bit there, six game win streak. Then they had the four, four games that they lost in a row. And thankfully they won against the Timberwolves right before the NBA season got shut down because if they had not won against the T-Wolves, I do not know what would have happened uh, regarding, you know, Rockets fans. And they would have been super down in the dumps riding a five game losing streak into an NBA hiatus. Um, Cody, I'm, I'm sure you've got plenty of thoughts on this. What would, you know, how are you feeling about small ball so far? Um, to be honest, I have mixed emotions about this Rocket small ball situation because you're looking at a team where it's going to, to me, it's going to come down to the 50-50 balls. And getting rebounds is going to be a key priority of that. And for Mike D'Antoni and the Rockets to push out a lineup where your starting center is 6'5 and P.J. Tucker – it's kind of concerning, and the and for me, the only way I feel this small ball 
lineup will work is if they shoot over if they shoot at least 40 percent from behind the arc in every single game and that was part of the reason why they went on that i believe it was a seven game winning streak early in february if i'm not if i'm correct uh i want to say was was it seven game i don't think they hit a seven game win streak in february off the top of my head uh they had the six game win streak that was in march february i don't want to say with i don't want to say they hit seven but i'm also going right off the top of my head so yeah, me too. I know that I know they had a win streak. Um, I can't remember what month it was, but right when they announced that they was going going small ball and they had that winning streak, if you look back at the numbers, they they were shooting really good from behind the arc. And that is the best part about them going small ball. But at the end of the day, when you take a look at that four game losing streak that they had, it was getting our rebound. Teams were was was killing them inside the paint. And I'm just sitting there like, man, this is not looking good. And to me, for Mike D'Antoni to sit there and say that, you know, if they get our rebound, he's okay with that. I'm like, dude, a lot of teams who has the ability to win a championship, a lot of them do not move on to the next round due to the inability of getting rebounds. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but I just watched the documentary the Rockets released a couple of days ago for the 2008 for that 2018 that won 22 straight games. Yeah, when, when about, the the documentary uh, "Win Amazing" happened for the 22 yes. game win streak. Yeah. If you have if you have not seen that, please go. It's on it's on their YouTube page. But I remember that 2007, the year before in 2007, when they lost against the Utah Jazz in game seven, the last three minutes of the game, I remember the reason why they lost is because they got out rebound. And for him to sit there and say that, I was like, dude, what are you doing? And then to make matters even worse, I actually did a small film review on the Rocky small ball. And to me, I kind of feel like small ball goes hinders James Harden's ability to play up to the MVP candidate that he was. Because to me, I saw a different James Harden because when you had a guy like Clint Capella, it made Harden a little bit more dangerous when he had the ball in his hand. Because when Harden has the ball in the hand with a guy like Clint Capella, you have to commit. If you play on him, he's going to go right past you and either do his and one layup or throw the lob to Capella. But without Capella back there and without a lob threat, you can basically double down on James Harden when he's driving to the basket because you no longer have that third option. And to me, that is part of the reason why we saw a bit of a decline after the All-Star break. Um, but like I say, the only way I could see this working is if the Rockets shoot 40% from behind the arc and just outscore their, their opponents. Yeah, wasn't it last year that the uh, officials stopped calling a lot of fouls, especially on James Harden, and uh, so they're struggling a little bit there. But my question for you, Jackson, is uh, looking at the uh, the leader in the Western Conference, which is the Lakers. Uh, let's say that the uh, the Rockets get to a point where they face the Lakers. Are they do they have enough size or ability to beat that team? We'll get my thoughts on Eric's question coming up, so you guys don't go anywhere. And we are back in here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, continuing the crossover conversation between myself, Eric Heisman, and Cody Davis. So we'll just go ahead and jump straight back into my answer to Eric's question just before the break. 
You know, I think one of the things that makes small ball unique, kind of how Cody touched base on, you know, saying that basically if they're shooting, say, you know, throw out a number 40% from behind the arc, that makes them really hard to beat. You know, you shoot 40% from behind the arc against any team, it's going to make you really, really tough to beat. But the Rockets and their small ball kind of scheme, we've already seen it once against the Lakers. We should have been able to see it twice, but then the season got canceled right before the Lakers game. Side note, I bought a 60-inch TV specifically because I had a really small TV in my living room, and I was like, you know what? I really want to be able to watch this Lakers game, invite some guys over. It's going to be the biggest matchup of the year so far, and then the season got canceled. So I haven't even been able to watch a Rockets game on my brand-new TV. Go get a refund. Right now, no, I, I still like the TV, but like, you know, anyways, so back to the Lakers angle, right? We saw them beat the Lakers fresh off of the Robert Covington trade. So literally the day the trade was consummated, Robert Covington's first game as a Houston Rocket in LA, and we saw them handle the Lakers. And what we saw in that game was we actually saw the Lakers play small ball a little bit too. And that was the thing that really, I think, defined how this matchup would look in the playoffs is who was going to bend first were the Lakers going to just stay big with uh, JaVale and Dwight and AD at the four and just try to hammer the ball into the paint as much as possible we saw that for stretches during that game but then what we also saw is we saw the Lakers go small and we saw them run AD at the five I think Kuzma spent some time technically at the five or LeBron or whoever you want to call it was the five in that game but there was some time without Dwight or JaVale on the court in that matchup which is that that's essentially the Lakers version of going small and I think that was kind of you could see that Frank Vogel or you can make the joke that LeBron is actually the coach whatever um you know, you could see that they were trying to decide how they wanted to match up with Houston. And I think that's going to be an issue for not just the Lakers, but any team moving, moving forward is, do you sacrifice what your team is good at, whether that be post play or having, you know, a, a pair of bigs in the game or whatever, do you sacrifice what your team is good at to try and match what the Rockets are doing? Or do you kind of dig your heels into the ground and stick to what your team is known for? And I think at the end of the day, the Rockets playing small ball is going to force a lot of other teams to change how they play the game stylistically. And I think that will play into the, into the Rockets favor over a seven game series. Plus things like Cody mentioned the rebounding and the, you know, the energy and kind of the 50, 50 balls and stuff. The good news about the playoffs is you're not playing any back to backs. You will have Russell Westbrook available for every single game. Guys won't be, you know, exhausted on the second night of a back to back trying to scrap for these loose balls or these rebounds over bigger players. And I think that kind of plays into their hands you know, at least a bit better in the, in a playoff environment than it does in the regular season. And again, we've seen the highs and lows in the regular season. We saw a six game win streak. We saw a four game losing streak. So we've seen the best of the best and the worst of small balls so far. Hey JT, let me ask you this though. In a seven game series with the Rockets going full out on small ball, let's say if they were to play matchup against the Lakers or the Clippers, would you be confident in them moving on to the next round, knowing that in the playoffs that teams actually have more time to double down and actually game plan for the Rockets small ball lineup? You know, in that regard, I, and here's, here's the thing is I'm not fully convinced yet. And I've asked this question too, uh, Cody, mm-hmm. kind of to some other guys is, you know, and I, and I draw this example back to the, uh, the Eastern conference finals last year with, uh, Kawhi against Giannis and the Bucks, and how the Raptors were able to 
better game plan against Giannis than any other team had that season. They were able to kind of shrink the floor and really make things difficult for him. So by that same extension, yeah, if, if a team is facing the Rockets in a seven-game series, you know, are they going to be able to better game plan for small ball a little bit? Yes, but at the, at the end of the day, it's just too difficult to try and contain both of James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So much so to the point that you're either going to have to rely on Westbrook and or Harden to have a bad game in addition to the shooters also having a bad night. And that's what's going to stop teams or that's what's going to allow teams to beat the Rockets is basically the Rockets beating themselves. You know, they generate the most wide open three point shots out of the in, across the entire NBA. So that, that aspect isn't changing. So it's all up to shooters to hit their shots and it's up to James Harden and Russell Westbrook to generate those shots. And I still don't quite see a way. And again, I've posed this question to a number of different guys. I don't really see a way that NBA teams are suddenly going to be able to take that away in the playoffs just because they are playing the same team, you know, three, four, five, six, or even seven games in a row. I don't see how, you know, they suddenly go from the regular season giving up those wide open threes to the playoffs where suddenly there isn't really a switch that they can necessarily flip. Those wide open shots are still going to be there. It's just up to the Rockets to actually make them. And that's going to do it for part one of our Locked on Houston sports crossover. Part two will be out very soon, so keep an eye out for that. As always, hopefully you guys enjoyed the conversations between myself, Eric Heisman, and Cody Davis. Look for, look for part two, I should say, coming out very soon. But as always, thank you all so much for tuning in. I look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.